Carl Stewart is an investment advisor representative of Carl Stewart Investment Advisor Incorporated. Call or text Carl now at 512-836-0590. Now, here's Carl. Good afternoon, and welcome to Money Talk. I'm Carl Stewart, and you're listening to News Radio KLBJ. Thanks for listening. Celebrating today our 29th anniversary here on Money Talk. This is a broadcast about the world of financial and investment planning, where you always have and will always will drive the agenda by calling or texting 512-836-0590. You may listen online right now at newsradioklbj.com or go there at your convenience, download podcasts of previous broadcasts. This Thursday after the news is 6 p.m., we will rebroadcast today's show. And you can also download the free app SoundCloud, and those podcasts of Money Talk will be there as well. 29 years. Remarkable. So if we uh, get calls and texts today, of course, I'm going to take them and do the best I can to answer them. I'll take today's calls first and then today's texts and then anything else that I can think of. (laughs) But for sure, I'm going to do a little reminiscing if I have the opportunity. 512-836-0590. In 1988, where I was working, my branch manager got a call and said, we'd like someone to come to KLBJ and try out to do the morning drive time update. Now, here I have to have a full stop because there are people, I hope, listening to this broadcast who have no idea what I'm talking about. But this was before the Internet. It was after the invention of fire and electricity, but before the Internet. And stations around the country, which had news talk formats like we do here at KLBJ, would have someone come on, some financial professional, and say, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down two points yesterday. And my branch manager said, I think this Carl Stewart could do that. And so I went out to the station, and I interviewed with the uh, program manager, program director. I'm not sure the formal title. And what had happened is they'd had a longtime person do this, and that individual had moved and recommended a colleague. And the colleague, frankly, just didn't work out. So there was a high level of skepticism on the part of the program manager, and he said, okay, I'll give you a week, five days to do this. And it was, you know, on drive time, like 7.30 a.m., 7.40 a.m., something like that. And I remember I had maybe a minute and a half to do all that I was supposed to do, and I remember writing down every word because I was scared to death I would get it wrong, and then I would read it out. If you've seen that movie, I think it was Broadcast News, where Albert, uh, I get it, forget his last name, gets his chance to be on TV, and then he just falls apart and perspires and basically ends up in a pool of perspiration. That was me. So I started doing that. And back in those days here at KLBJ, our daytime hosts were, local, were all local. And so uh, we had a lot of people on there. And I'm, oh, I got a call. Terrific. I'll scare you if I keep talking. People will call. Hans, you're on the air. How may I help? Hi, Carl. Thank you so much. I've listened to your program and gotten lots of great advice. Thank you. Today, I want a little bit of clarity. I've been able to move all my retirement into my Roth IRA. Yes. And thus, when I turn 62 in a year, 
I'll collect Social Security right away because it's only $25,000 i will be getting a year. And my question on that clarification is, if you can help me with this, if I have any mortgage interest I'm paying or other items, does that allow me to make a little bit more money, or does Social Security just look at that $25,000? The Social so I don't Secu- pay taxes on it in the Right. Future. The Social Security is only going to look at your income, not your expenses. And it's not Social Security, but they're going to, you're thinking about uh, uh, once you turn on the benefit, then at, just, at 62, then you can continue to earn income. Uh, but my understanding is you've turned on the benefit. I don't know that the benefit changes once that happens. If you don't turn on the benefit and you wait to 67, perhaps in your case, and you make more money, yeah, that'll change the, that'll change the benefit. But I think once you turn the benefit on, then I'm not confident that it's going to increase regardless of what happens to your income. But mortgage interest should not make any difference, in my opinion, Hans. And I'm looking at deductions because if the mortgage interest, if I, if I make oh, more it's a money, deduction. like oh. $30,000, how do I? Sorry? Well, well, first of all, you, you're, all your deductions would have to exceed the um, standard deduction before you would itemize. So if, are you a single, okay. or a married tax, single or married taxpayer? Single. Okay, so you're right now, this year, 2024, the standard deduction is fourteen thousand six hundred dollars. So your okay. so your other those other legitimate expenses would have to exceed fourteen thousand six hundred dollars before it would make before you would have any benefit from additional from additional deductions. Okay. Got it. So if Social Security gives me twenty five. Yeah, but the, this is pay- yeah yeah. But this the deduction is not the standard deduction is not related. To what your income is, the standard deduction is the same whether your income is twenty-five or two hundred and fifty thousand. You can you can just stick in the in, in the ten forty. Okay. I'm single. I take fourteen thousand six hundred dollars. That's my standard deduction. Only way if your mortgage interest and other deductible items exceeded Itemized. that would it make any sense for you? What you would it would make no sense for you to claim those deductions unless they exceed the fourteen thousand six hundred dollars. Right, and I understand though tax, Social Security is not taxable until after you make twenty five thousand of it per year. Yeah, I I frankly haven't put that to memory. I know I know when you okay. take Social Security early, then you're right. There's an income test. If you have income from other sources, some portion of that can be can be uh, taxed because you're getting Social Security. You're right, but I, I don't have those numbers off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Right, right. But good. That gives me some clarification. Thank you good. so much for Terrific. taking the call. Okay, thanks for calling. You're listening to Money Talk on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text 512-836-0590. So back to the uh, anniversary retrospective. So one of the talk show hosts had a morning show, and her name was Kathy Cronkite. For those of you who are older listeners, you'll remember her father, Walter Cronkite, who many people considered, they called him the most trusted man in America back when we said things like that. Uh, and he was the uh, moderator, if you will, the head of the CBS Evening News on television. And Kathy was his daughter, lived here in Austin, and she had a call-in show. So um, one day I get a call from her and she says, I, I hear you in the morning giving the financial market update. Why don't you come out and we'll just... See what happens. We'll just open the lines and see if anybody calls, because, of course, there were no texts at that time. 
And I'd go out, and lo and behold, at some weird time, like Tuesday morning at 11 a.m., we get calls. Who knew? So periodically, she would talk about that. And she said to me, you know, we have these things we call the expert hours on the weekend. And I think that there's apparently enough interest that you ought to have, you ought to have a show. So I went to the program director, and I said, Kathy thinks I ought to have a show. And the program director said, no, no. I think people are interested in gardening and car repair. So that was the end of that. And for every six months thereafter, I would be on with different people, with Kathy, and then, as I recall, with my good friend Ed Clements, and then with Eric Blumberg, and then with Paul Pryor, sometimes in the morning, sometimes I remember Paul in the afternoon, and periodically they would say, you ought to have your own show. And I would go and seek that opportunity, and I would not get it. But in the fourth quarter of 1994, so I started at the station in 1988, 36 years ago. And in the fourth quarter of 1994, I made my annual, actually, and that's not right, my semi-annual pilgrimage to the program manager and said, I think, you know, we could have a show here. And he said, okay, probably just exhausted from me whining at him. He said, okay, we're going to do a little shake-up of uh, the uh, weekend schedule, and you can have an hour. Well, at that time, uh, we had a, a friend of mine. Uh, she had a column in the local paper, the American Statesman, kind of a hints from Heloise kind of situation, and she had a show right before me. So I was going to be on Saturday at 11 a.m. So I get to the station and no one ever said anything to me. And all of a sudden I realized, huh, these people have earphones. I don't have earphones. She, uh, she gave me earphones. And I sat in the studio and the red light went on. And I thought, holy moly, what am I going to do now? And there's more to this and there's some more interesting characters in this. It's time for me to take a break. It would be a terrific time for you to call or text 512-836-0590. I'll be back. You're listening to Money Talk with Carl Stewart on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Enjoy the podcast on NewsRadioKLBJ.com. Now, here's Carl. Welcome back to Money Talk. I'm Carl Stewart. You're listening to News Radio KLBJ. Thanks for listening. We're here this afternoon celebrating our 29th anniversary here on Money Talk. When you have a question, Call or text 512-836-0590. Here's a text that says, Carl, were you on the radio station in Los Angeles in the late 80s? I was not. I would have enjoyed that, I'm sure. Uh, but no, I was not. Thanks for the question. So I come on the air, and of course, by pure, I shouldn't say of course, but of course I didn't realize it, by pure coincidence, 1995, had been the beginning of probably the greatest bull market for U.S. stocks, certainly in any listener's lifetime. I don't know if forever is the right thing to say, but we had five consecutive years where the Standard & Poor 500 outpaced, not outpaced inflation, but the Standard & Poor 500 was up more than 20% a year. And you should stop and think about that. And it was it was also the heyday of technology stocks, and in Central Texas, it was the heyday of Dell Computer. 
where the stock at one moment uh, was the best performing company stock in the S&P 500 for the one, three, five, and 10-year period. I don't know that that's ever happened before. And so there was a lot of interest in the financial markets. And so we started doing uh, monthly seminars here at the broadcast at the station. And there were three topics. One was uh, stock investing, one was mutual fund investing, and one was retirement planning. And uh, gosh, we did them here uh, upstairs. We'd have 50, 60 people. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. Uh, and the market went up, and the market went up, and the market went up. And uh, the stock market, the U.S. market, peaked in uh, early 2000. Uh, and that was what we call the bursting of the dot-com bubble. That was in, I believe, the first quarter of 2000. But it was after the um, Super Bowl, I believe, because there were companies that had raised money and spent virtually all of it doing ads on the Super Bowl. And everything had a uh, some kind of internet dot-com name in it. Uh, and it a lot of those companies, Pets.com, DrCoop.com, and I just those just happened to be in my in my memory. And stock market declined uh, and didn't stop going down until late in 2002, September of 2002. And here's what you might expect occurred: uh, instead of having 50 or 60 people who were interested in those topics, it dwindled and it dwindled and it dwindled. And when it got down to about 10 people or so, it was apparent that people just had lost interest because they were tired of watching their portfolios decline, no doubt. And so, and so we stopped doing it. Uh, I mentioned that I had worked with a number of people on the air, uh, but the longest relationship has been with my friend Kenny Rahmeyer. And if you're a, a regular listener, you know that... Um, when I go on the road, Kenny is a, a wonderful professional to help me. Oh, by the way, uh, I can bloviate on and on, but if you'd like to call or text, now's a good time to do so. We have all of our lines available and no texts lined up at 512-836-0590. There's an interesting story that goes along with how Kenny and I became colleagues, and it has to do, believe it or not, with 9-11. So it when I traveled in those early years, uh, if I didn't have the ability to be live on the air in the station, then the rules were you can't do it. So that was a, that was a bit of a, of a difficult thing. And uh, one of our daughters was in, uh, was in college in Boston at uh, a women's college, and I was asked to serve on the board of trustees. And it turned out that... Uh, our meeting was shortly after 9/11 occurred. If you remember, the uh, the terrorists started uh, on aircraft in Logan Airport in Boston. So I was going to go to the uh, trustee meeting, and so I explained to the program manager that I wasn't going to be in town. And uh, he said, "Carl, we got to have you on the air. People are scared to death. You may recall the, the financial markets were closed." Uh, significant parts of lower Manhattan were devastated. Uh, we didn't know if it was the beginning of a world war. He said, people really need to have the opportunity to listen to you and ask you questions. And I said, okay, well, I'm going to be in meetings, but I can step out. 
uh, and do it by telephone. And he said, oh, okay. So Kenny, who had been here on the air, uh, stepped up and uh, stepped in and helped me. And it went so well that the concern that it wouldn't work well, wouldn't be good broadcast, went away. And that's allowed me to travel around. Again, if you're a regular listener, you know uh, that, frankly, every year around Thanksgiving, we do the broadcast from Santa Fe. We do it from Iowa City. uh, But we also have done the broadcast from London and Paris and Rome and Rio de Janeiro, Buenos Aires, Croatia, to name a few. And it wouldn't have been possible without the flexibility of KLBJ and critically without the uh, talent and the help and the friendship of Kenny Romer. So thank you, Kenny. You're listening to Money Talk on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text 512-836-0590. There have been, I'm sure, a lot of people, because you tell me this, uh, have listened for many years but a num- there's three of you uh, who uh, stand out because uh, you contact me. Uh, one is uh, Bob in Arlington. And Bob, if you're listening today, uh, give me a call. Uh, and if you're not, I hope you uh, listen to the, uh, the podcast. Uh, Bob started listening. I have no idea when. If he calls, uh, I'll ask him. But he would call and we would visit. Uh, he loved to tell me about the great CD rates he was getting and about how remarkably cheap he is. <laughs> he still calls, and uh, I've really appreciated his uh, loyal listenership, if that's a word, and his friendship. Another one is Marianne in Houston. Marianne, if you're listening today, give me a call. Um, if not, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Marianne is a regular listener, and uh, it does her own investing and always ask interesting questions, and I really appreciate that. And the third person uh, is uh, my friend Ken, who you would never hear on the air and never calls, but he's a human Wikipedia. Uh, I will get questions like the notorious Social Security questions where I either will guess and be mistaken (laughs) with my answer, or I'll just say, frankly, I don't have a clue. And sometimes... He will even email me during the broadcast with an answer, but also uh, frequently uh, on Monday uh, and occasionally on Sunday, I'll get an email from him and he will provide the answer, which I can then provide the the following week. So I want to say thanks to Marianne in Houston. Thanks to Ken, who I think perhaps lives in Central Texas. I don't know that. And thanks to Bob in Arlington. You're listening to Money Talk on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text 512-836-0590. One of the things that I've learned, and I, I guess if you step back and think about the sweep of the time that I've been on the air and you include those early days 36 years ago, uh, one of the things that has really, really uh, been able, I've been able to learn about is human behavior. And uh, recently... Uh, I chaired a conference in, uh, in Aspen, Colorado, in early December, and uh, one of our speakers was a Dr. Richard Thaler, T-H-A-L-E-R, who received a Nobel Prize. Uh, my colleague Lindsay and I were there, and Dr. Thaler spoke, uh, and he uh, wrote a bestseller along with another man, a bit older than uh, Dr. Thaler, named Dan Kahneman, 
and they wrote a book called Nudge, N-U-D-G-E, uh, and uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a bestseller. And then um, Thaler has also written another book called um, Misbehaving, Misbehaving, I think it is. And I was mistaken. I'm looking over here at the book. Nudge is written by Dr. Thaler and Cass Sunstein, my mistake. You're listening to you're listening to Money Talk. Ah, we got a call coming in, but it's also time at the bottom of the hour. So, Dave, you stick around. I'll talk to you when I return. You're listening to Money Talk with Carl Stewart on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Enjoy the podcast on newsradioklbj.com. Now, here's Carl. Welcome back to Money Talk. I'm Carl Stewart, and you're listening to the 29th anniversary broadcast of Money Talk on News Radio KLBJ. Thanks for listening. When you have a question, call or text 512-836-0590. You may listen online right now at newsradioklbj.com. Go there at your convenience, download podcasts of previous shows. This Thursday after the news at 6 p.m., we will rebroadcast today's show, and you can also go to the free app SoundCloud and download those podcasts as well. 512-836-0590. Dave, you're on the air. How may I help? Yeah, Dave, that's the name I gave you. Yes. Hey, Dave, I called you uh, uh, the end of last year. I inherited $100,000. Yes. I don't know if you remember me, but... uh, I asked you what I should do. Followed your advice. Paid off my house. Good. Put a little money away. Good. Uh, paid off a bill. Bought a new truck. Good. Well, lo and behold, I got another seventy thousand coming, <laughs> and uh, I'm debt free. I was thinking about cocaine and prostitutes. <laughs> maybe, maybe I should be a little. Maybe I should be a little uh, more financially prudent. responsible. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you should. <laughs> So let me ask you a few but, questions. You're debt free. All right. About uh, the cocaine prostitutes. No, no, no. I'll let you. I, I don't profess to have uh, expertise in that area, so I'm going to pass over that right. opportunity. <laughs> so, um, are you? Carl working? would be two prostitutes. Right. I would. I wouldn't want to prostitute myself with a poor answer. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, are are you One working? Prostitute. Right. Let's move on. Are you are you working or retired? Kind of working. I own a business, but uh, uh, family's taken over. I'm at that age. So, uh, what are your sources of income? Um, not much. Just no debt. Okay. So, the thing is, uh, and how and how old are you, Dave? I'm 61. Okay. So the question now is going to be, it's all about the risk and return. We live in a period where you can take no apparent risk. I say that on purpose, no nominal risk, and put the money in a money market fund or in a certificate of deposit and get 5% plus, which is an actual real return because that's greater than the nominal rate of inflation. Okay, but we that's did. not good. But that, pardon me, thousand in a CD. Pardon me. And about I put twenty five k yes. in a CD. Okay. Well, five and the third. Good. So if I don't because I don't know, you know, your risk 
and kind of tolerance, the fact that you're debt-free and that you're only 61, the real challenge is going to be that the cost of living is not going to go down. It's going to keep going up. And the interest on the CD when it matures may be lower, in fact, probably will be lower than it is today. We look like we may have hit the peak in shorter-term interest rates. So here's my advice. Uh, I would take the money if I wanted a lower risk but greater return than cash is going to give you. I would look at, I'm going to be very particular about the type of what I'm in, a bond fund, but not just any bond fund. You want a bond fund, I'm sorry for the jargon, but a core bond fund. What that means is it doesn't buy speculative bonds. It does not buy long-term bonds. And it buys bonds and the, that are maturing in five, six, seven years. The income will be more than 5%. But based on history, when the Federal Reserve starts to lower interest rates, and there's a lot of thinking that could happen this year, those bond funds in the past have done very, very well and, and delivered high single-digit and even double-digit returns over the next one, two, and three years. So if Where I were you— I get that? What? So you're going to have to— Where would I get that? Yeah. What I would do if I were you, I, I, I do some education before I did it. And what I would do is I would go to the websites of some of the big asset management firms. And I'm going to give you some names. You can go to Fidelity. You can go to Vanguard. You can go to PIMCO, spelled P-I-M-C-O. All of those people have very, very good, solid bond funds. Remember, you're not looking for a high-yield fund. You're not looking for a short-term fund. You're not looking for a long-term fund. You're looking for a core bond fund. And that's where I would go if I – and then, then obviously the next place to go would be to put, put some money in the stock market because based on everything that's ever occurred in your life, the better returns are going to be from the stock market if you can stand the risk because you can lose 20 or 30% one year and make 20 or 30 or you know, percent the next year. So if you can ride the roller coaster, you can also go to that Fidelity or that Vanguard or that Charles Schwab and look at their stock index funds. But the core bond fund will get you over time, in my opinion, a better return than the CD will over the next one, two, three years. Thank okay. you. Okay. So no Puerto Rican prostitutes. No, and I, that's exactly right. And I'm going to have, have you hang up. Thanks for calling. You're listening to Money Talk on News Radio KLBJ. You got to love this broadcast. 512-836-0590. Okay. Let's see here. I think I've got a text today. Uh, yes. My daughter graduated from Texas Tech in December. Congratulations. And just started her first job. What advice do you have for her on how to invest her 401k? Well, there's two congratulations. The first one is that she graduated from college. That's fantastic. All the data indicate that a lifetime earnings will be much higher as a result of that. Second, I'm really glad she went to work for an employer that has an employer-sponsored plan, a 401k plan. And I'm really pleased that she's going to participate. I was looking recently at some data with my colleague I mentioned earlier, Lindsay, which she was speaking about the data about what creates millionaires in their 401k plans. 
And the answer is that they regularly put in 10 to 15% of their income in the company-sponsored plan. So that's the target for her to do. Secondly, because she's in her early 20s, now is the time to focus on growth, which means focus on risk. Now is not the time to be in a money market fund, not the time to be in a bond fund, not the time to be in a target date fund where somebody's going to try to balance it out. She needs to be in the stock market. Now, there's no doubt that this, there are going to be stock funds on the menu. If there's an S&P 500 stock fund or a total stock fund, I would put 75% of her money there. If there's an international index fund or an international broadly diversified stock fund, I put 25% of her money there. She's going to put money in every pay period. Some pay periods, we're going to be in a declining market like 2022, and some pay periods, we're going to be in a rising market like 2023. She's going to have a lower average cost because she'll buy more shares when prices are depressed and fewer shares when prices are elevated. So that's a great question. That's exactly what I would tell her to do. You're listening to Money Talk on News Radio KLBJ. I'm coming up to my last break, 512-836-0590. Trent, I'll visit with you when I return. You're listening to Money Talk with Carl Stewart on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM. Enjoy the podcast on newsradioklbj.com. Now, here's Carl. Welcome back to Money Talk. I'm Carl Stewart. You're listening to News Radio KLBJ as we celebrate our 29th anniversary. When you have a question, call or text 512-836-0590. Trent, you're on the air. How may I help? Carl, thanks for uh, having me today when, uh, you know, uh, Callers are a little bit scarcer than they normally are, it seems, from here in Leander. Yeah. But yeah. I know where they are. They're in Colesville or Vegas or uh, Brackenridge <laughs> and leaving the rest of us to languish here in Central Texas. <laughs> there you go. That's right. <laughs> but uh, I, I just uh, I, I didn't hear you say this. I think I've been listening for most of the program, but I yes. didn't hear you give any updates about uh, your speculation. And I know that's all it would be on uh, – whether that uh, uh, that recession is coming or not. Yeah, yeah, great question. I just spent, uh, uh, with my colleague, I just spent three days uh, in Southern California with one of the largest bond managers, uh, PIMCO, and, and bond man- people who run bonds uh, really, really pay attention to the very thing that you're talking about, the outlook for interest rates and the outlook for recession because, um, and of course the outlook for inflation because inflation is bad for bonds. Uh, Lowering interest rates from the current level is good for bonds. And frankly, uh, a recession is bad for high yield, low credit rating bonds, but good for high grade bonds, investment grade bonds and treasuries. And so they spend a lot of time and they're, they're, global, they're chief global economists, and these people have hundreds of billions of, of people's money. Uh, their global economists said that the odds of a so-called soft landing, meaning that we don't have a, a, a hard recession 
and inflation comes down, that the Fed is able to accomplish something extremely unique, very, very unusual, to have be able to have a reduction in inflation without a recession and the ability to lower interest rates. The odds of that are greater today than they have been since the Fed started raising rates. And there's just one reason, the job market. The job market continues to be remarkably strong in spite of a historically rapid rise in interest rates. Certainly, there have been areas that have been hurt, like real estate. Certainly, that the residential real estate market around the country has been hurt because mortgage rates have skyrocketed when compared to 3%. But I would say, and then I also listened to the chief economist at J.P. Morgan, David Kelly, for whom I have uh, also great regard, and both uh, of those people say the risks of a recession are elevated. And what they mean by elevated is they don't mean it's co they're confident it will occur, but that there's still risks of, 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 of a recession compared to a normal economy, that the job numbers are still coming in positive. And so I would tell you that they would give the odds of a soft landing versus a recession. They would have said six months ago, no, we think we're going to have a recession in 2024. Now they have softened their views and look at the odds now being closer to 50-50 that we'll get through this rise in interest rates, get a decline in inflation, uh, with inflation hitting the Fed target of 2% in 2025 and getting through a recession. The stock market right now seems to agree with that. The Fed futures market for interest rates is extremely optimistic, pricing in five or six Fed interest rate cuts when the Fed officials themselves are not suggesting that will happen. So I would have to say that people are, who pay attention and who, and who are paid a whole lot of money to figure this out are more optimistic now than they have been since the Fed started raising rates. I would tell you that after the kind of year, and you didn't ask this, but after the kind of year that we had last year in the stock market, and particularly in the NASDAQ with, uh, with the magnificent seven stocks like NVIDIA, I think that the odds of another really great year in the stock market are pretty diminished, uh, and that the odds of a good year in the bond market, and the bond market's essentially flat to down 1% this year, that the odds of having a good year in the bond market are pretty darn good. So that's where I see it today. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's great. In, in other words, you're in agreement with our uh, Treasury Secretary I on am. the matter. Yeah, I am. I, yeah, and everybody who knows him says he, 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 has, he has absolutely does not want – he wants to be Paul Volcker and not Arthur Burns. Arthur Burns led up where there was inflation and he had raised rates and then he he lowered rates and inflation came roaring back and he was held in very low, reg low regard. Volcker ran rates up to where the 10-year Treasury was over 15%, put us in a deep recession. Dow Jones Industrial Average was 888, now it's 38,000 in August of 82, and broke inflation in this country until recently. And Powell would rather put his foot on the interest rate accelerator longer, there's a lot of data that I saw this last couple of days that typically the Federal Reserve is slow to start to raise rates and is also slow 
to drop rates. And so that's why you're not getting all the enthusiasm we're going to make it through because there's a chance that by keeping rates high for longer, that eventually will soften the economy. So there you have it, Trent. Thanks very much, Carl. Okay, you bet. Thanks for calling. You're listening to Money Talk on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text 512-836-0590. Martin, you're on the air. How may I help? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? I sure can. Please go ahead. Yeah, I would like to comment on a response you gave to a gentleman named Chris last weekend about um, uh, credit freezes. Yeah, because that's certainly not my area of expertise, so go right ahead. Well, maybe I can share my experiences with him. Um, about about five years ago, uh, I don't know if it's because of a data breach somewhere or another, but uh, somebody was able to get enough information on my wife and I, and uh, they, they actually ended up re- uh, requesting a duplicate credit card be sent to a we, – we've lived in the same house for 35 years, but they had a – requested a credit card be sent to an address like in Dallas, Texas. Yes. And the next thing I know, I'm getting these alerts on, on my phone saying somebody's charging uh, $3,500 worth of, of stuff at, at uh, yeah. uh, Best Buy or something like that. Oh, boy. And, um, oh my. Um, so I, I investigated the credit freezes at that time. And, yes. and basically what that involves is uh, you, you report your information or, or request or freeze from the main three credit agencies and in the United States. Yes. And uh, it, it doesn't affect your credit at all. But Good. say, for example, uh, in, in the last two years, uh, my wife and I uh, signed, co-signed for my daughter to buy a house. So yes. the, uh, the mortgage company wanted to check my credit. So what I would do is just notify the credit companies that to allow them, you know, like on a particular day, to allow them uh, to give yes. responses back to whatever whatever, whoever was requesting a credit check, you know. I see. Okay. Uh, and I've, I've done credit, I've obtained other credit cards that way also without, uh, and just notified the credit card company that you, you have to check it on this date to be able to access my information. So but let me I ask, that, uh, let me ask you a question, credit, Martin. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Is this something that goes on forever until you change, until you unfreeze it? Is, it? is that how that works? Yeah, that. But that, that, you know, in case somebody like like Chris was worried about somebody stealing his information, right, and basically applying to one of these companies and getting right. a credit card or right. actually, you know, actually getting the loan under yes. his name, yes, that, that would that you know that you know if they if they whoever was trying to get the loan, I mean, whatever company they were trying to apply to, yes, if they called if they uh, try to get into the the credit line, that person they would not be able to, and that way they would not allow the credit to go through. Okay. Okay. Well, this is really interesting and helpful. I've learned a lot, and I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and if I get that question again, I'll be able to be more helpful. So thank you. Yeah, but also one thing, too. I mean, if you want to do that, you don't have to call anybody. You can basically sign on on the computer and, and, and get access, allow access to somebody to check your credit. You know? Okay, good. But I think it, for somebody, I think it's a good thing for almost everybody to have, yes. actually. Yeah, yeah. The way you describe it, it sounds that way. Very good. Okay, appreciate it. Thank you, Martin. I do enjoy your show. Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, Bye-bye. thank you. Bye-bye. Uh, 29 years, and I think one of the reasons, as we say in showbiz, it has, the show has legs, is because of people like Martin who listen and then are helpful uh, to our listeners and also teach me. So I really appreciate that. 512-836-0590. Here's a text. Carl. 
What is your opinion on all-in-one funds like Vanguard Life Strategy Funds? I think they are fine, but not terrific. I think they're designed for perhaps a do-it-yourself investor who doesn't want to pay for an advisor, but she also doesn't want to do the homework to build a portfolio of stock and bond funds. Then I think that they're a heck of a lot better than, say, sticking in a money market fund or a savings account or something like that. Target date funds the same way. And that is, we've learned that because the financial markets can be confusing and intimidating, we have data in 401k plans that a lot of people just wouldn't do anything, which is a horrible idea, sitting in cash. And so the marketplace developed these plans, these funds, these strategies to help people. So I think compared to doing nothing, I think it's they're wonderful. I, frankly, if you're a do-it-yourself investor and you have the time and the interest, or if you choose to work with an advisor, then I would not favor them because you are, should have the ability, or you and your advisor should have the ability, to develop the asset allocation that you wished because asset allocation, if you're a regular listener, you're rolling your eyes about now, asset allocation is the single biggest determinant of risk and reward. You may remember, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, I talked about the NASDAQ, which was up over 43% last year, down, I think, 33% the year before. And over two years, you had a negative return. And even with a good 2021, over three years, you had an annual return of less than 4%. So asset allocation, if all you had was the NASDAQ, that's not a pleasant experience. The other thing I would say is that, generally speaking, they're pretty plain vanilla. That's not a criticism. It's just they're going to use stocks and they're going to use bonds and they're going to have domestic and international. They may or may not have emerging markets. They may have both investment-grade bonds and high-yield bonds. Again, if you're a regular listener, you know I'm not a fan of high-yield bonds. So they're going to try to put it right down the middle of the fairway. They're not going to try to do anything exotic. And you're not in charge of the asset allocation. That's either a good thing or a bad thing. But anyway, that's how I, how I think about life strategy funds. Well, it's been a lot of fun today. I want to thank Garrett and Kyle for doing their good job. I want to thank you for 29 years. It's been a lot of fun. Next Saturday, after the news at 4, join me for Money Talk. Carl Stewart is an investment advisor representative of Carl Stewart Investment Advisor Incorporated. 